Jason Hedges to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast, and they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast, and your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time. I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shergi. With me is William Thrasher. Hello, Internet. And this time around, we're looking at the 2014, I don't know if I call it a remake, maybe it's a reboot. What would you say, Will, of RoboCop? Well, as as uh, people who listen to the original sequel cast may remember, uh, I do not like all these needlessly fiddly names for movies that plagiarize themselves. So I'm just going to call this movie a de-imagining Reimagining. Okay, there you go. You know, the first time I heard the term reimagining was for the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. You heard that a lot in the publicity. Mm. But um, yeah, so this this uh, 2014 RoboCop, the poster says crime has a new enemy, directed by Jose Padilla. I can't. I don't. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He's a Portuguese, a Brazilian director. Produced by Mark Abraham, Eric Newman. Written by Joshua Zetumer. What's really odd is also giving a screenplay credit are Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner, who <laughs> did the script for the original. But I don't think they actually wrote this one, so I'm not sure why they get a screenplay credit. It could be a, it could be a, a Writer's Guild thing. Could be a contractual thing, yeah, that's possible. Based on, you know, the, the film Robocop by Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner, starring Joel Kinnaman, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, and Samuel L. Jackson, music by Pedro Bronfman, cinematography by Lula Corvallo. This came out in 2014. This had a budget of $100 million, and according to a Box Office Mojo Worldwide, it made about $242 million. Not a bad return on investment, and yet we did not see a sequel to this. We did not see a new RoboCop 2. So, um, yeah, we've been talking RoboCop all this month uh, over here at Sequel Gas 2, and this 2014 RoboCop, um, I have to give the RoboCop films credit. They're all bad for different reasons, and uh, this one is not great. Because it, it just feels like it's going through the motions. It makes me question why the movie exists. In some ways, it reminds me of the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street that we got. Um, oh, might have even been in 2014, 2013, somewhere around then. I'll look that up really quick. But uh, when did you first see this uh, this newer RoboCop film? I saw it uh, last year. I was visiting a friend's house, and uh, we all just kind of decided we wanted to see a movie. Uh, and this is the movie that we ended up settling on. <laughs> And he owned it, or did it happen to be on Netflix? Uh, I think it was streaming. HBO. I think it was streaming at the time. Yeah, so, so streaming on some servers, yeah. Um, I first saw some of this streaming on Netflix. I was going to see it in the theater, but then the PG-13 rating and the sort of so-so reviews made me, um, you know, be not, uh, not go through with that. So I did see some of it on streaming and fell asleep within the first 20 minutes and never uh, never gave it another chance. So, um, this RoboCop film is, is disappointing in that it uses some really good actors and then just has them kind of flounder around. The, the plot is sort of over busy, which seems to be a RoboCop sequel trademark. And I, I'm just really, it's pretty rare I say this, but I'm not sure why this movie was made. Other than the fact that you're capitalizing on the name RoboCop and you get some shout outs to, uh, to the original, um... It, it, this movie is just puzzling, and, and I guess we'll explore that as we talk about the film. Yeah, the the movie does seem like it's it's just a laundry list of things you need to have in a RoboCop movie, <laughs> not giving it any any particular context. It, right. It is like you're giving it a list, isn't it? Like you're going, okay, this one, this one, this one, and yet you have some really good. Um, Actors in here, I like that they use some of the titular well, RoboCop cast, music theme from the first film. This cast is flawless. Hello, hello. Yeah, you got you got cut off there. Can you say the cast was? Flawless yeah, I said the, again? the cast. I mean this this cast is flawless. If. And I, in fact, the, the cast is what gave me hope uh, for this movie when it finally entered production. Uh, that being said, I'm very turned off by the PG-13 rating. 
I think we've learned from the previous RoboCop trilogy that you do you do need to go for an R. You do need that level of brutality. Right, and yet, you know, I think uh, maybe this might have helped the idea of them trying to redo RoboCop. You know, Transformers is really popular, the the newer movies that Michael Bay directed. And uh, RoboCop, it, you know, isn't a Transformer, but you can see sort of similarities, right? Sort of, he has cool robot view features and uh, that, you know, plus Terminator and, and what have you. There's a lot of potential things going on there that, that are cool. So, um I remember the big thing before this movie came out on the internet is set photos, of course, leaked and people are freaking out. Oh, RoboCop has black armor and they had to sort of release uh, pictures of a, a suit he wears earlier in the film. And I mean, the, the suit is the least of the movie's problems. And I think the black suit, for the record, looks looks fine. Like, I don't think that's really an issue. The earlier version of the suit looks fine as well. Um, yeah, well, I mean, let's talk. I think the movie starts off really good, which makes it even more disappointing. You start off with sort of a news segment, but it's hosted by um, Samuel L. Jackson, who plays uh, Pat Novak, who hosts a show called The Novak Element. And he's asking you if you're robophobic and sort of talking about OCP. Uh, it seems to be a much bigger, much more successful company in this film than in any of the, the older movies in the series. <laughs> you, you see they have a presence worldwide with uh with drones um with ed 209 units but also with these completely robot uh cops that are bipedal and uh getting people's faces and stuff and i think if you start the movie with all those robots doesn't it make the idea of a robo cop less special uh it does and also if you're going to show all those all those you know anthropoid robots I want to see robot RoboCop fighting all of them in the movie's climax. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of training sequences that that don't go anywhere. They look cool, and even the iPhone game is just a version of the film's uh, training scene. Was was so, the iPhone um, game better than the movie? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Even though there's no story and it just sort of uh, shits the bed. I mean, yeah, I mean, even though it's just sort of like a run-and-gun game and you're trying to get uh, a score in a certain time limit and it, it sort of gets harder and harder and there's no narrative, but it, it looks cool and graphically at the time, I think, you know, looked pretty impressive. It looked a lot like that scene in the film. Um, but this opening that, that shows, I think, I believe it's in Iraq or is it Afghanistan? Uh, I believe it's Afghanistan, although they okay, they are apparently so, deployed yeah. all over the world. So somewhere in the Middle East, and it's this, I think I found it a really moving, very interesting scene where the guy, the kid's father is sort of being taken away and uh, he, the the son is so frustrated, he jumps out of the window and, you know, leaps on top of this Ed 209 unit trying to to blow it up or stab it or disable it. it. I thought it was really interesting. It's a bit busy. You don't quite understand the context that much, but I, I thought it was really neat. Like the setting made it feel a bit new. Well, well, frankly, that in itself would have made a much a much better movie. Just a movie about you know yeah, a, a, yeah. a far a foreign nation. Uh, they send you know drones to show up to enforce laws and keep the peace, and the local populace has to deal with the, those consequences. That's a, a movie that could be about something. Instead, it's just it, it's like window dressing that the movie will soon forget. Right. I mean, it reminded me a bit of that, um, oh, what was that movie, District something or uh, other? District 9? Yeah, District 9, with how it looks sort of like gritty looking and yeah, the sort of close-up camera work and stuff. It, it looked pretty neat. And then instead, you, you go back and you get a lot of um, boardroom meeting scenes, which the first film and the second film, I think, perhaps were the heaviest on. And yet, to not much avail, you get like a zillion characters played by some good actors but um you know you get you get michael keaton is let's let's go to the characters and we'll go back to the gotcha. movie plot okay so so what do you think about joel kinnaman as uh alex murphy also the titular robocop he's he's okay i i i feel like <laughs> he he doesn't have the slightly inhuman strangeness that works so well uh 
in the first two films with Peter Weller. I feel like I feel like that's what this part needs. It needs some. It needs an actor that can project an aura of strangeness and of otherness, but he just doesn't have it. Can you keep talking for one second? My dog is ripping something oh, up. <laughs> certainly. Um, can you? Why don't? So I mean, he's sort of bland. But what do you think about the relationship he has um, with his wife? Clara Murphy, played by Abby Cornish. Well, it is it is nice that we get to see more of that relationship in this film than we did uh, in in the original trilogy, which which is which is a, a refreshing change. And in fact, a RoboCop movie that could follow the complete trajectory of their relationship after Murphy becomes RoboCop would 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 be very interesting. So I guess that's that's one leg up that this film does have on the originals. Although, I, if I cannot say this, so, you know, we get the uh, ED-209s, we get the, the anthropoid robots, I and I, I really do not want to come off sounding like a cranky old man, but ED-209 works so much better as a practical effect. Um, there's... Yeah, they make it look a bit like, uh, looks almost too slick. There's no weight it's, to it. It's almost, there's no weight to it, and then with the... Having sort of the black colors, and later we see the black colors on um, RoboCop. the RoboCop suit. It, you almost lose any of the detail. Hmm. Actually, that's something I hadn't considered. But yeah, it really, it really should be. It should be a clunky, chunky piece of military hardware, not like a sleek Apple product with the designer chassis. I mean, speaking of Apple products, uh, Michael Keaton, who plays the CEO of Omnicore, Raymond Sellers. Uh, said he based his performance in part on videos of Steve Jobs, huh. and that's why he wears black sweaters, and his his movements are a bit quirky. Um, Michael Keaton doesn't have a lot to do in the movie. I think he's he's kind of amusing, but he really underplays it. Yeah, I guess I kind of wanted more of his goofball Bruce Wayne in this performance. And uh, Gary Oldman, another excellent actor, he's the uh, the doctor, Dr. Norton. You know, in the first film, there wasn't really a, a main doctor film uh, character that we sort of went behind on, like in RoboCop 3. And uh, he has some speeches that could be interesting, but he, he doesn't feel really needed in this film, I think. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't get, leave much of an impression on me, and it... it for me, it's hard to tell whether it's just because it's a weak performance caused by weak direction, or is it just that he got lost in the role like he did in uh, in the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy? Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie Earl Haley as Rick Maddox, sort of the guy that trains RoboCop, uh, he's not that great. He's a little bit bland. I think he could be a good actor sometimes. I liked him in Watchmen, but um, here I... Which is so so. Which it begs begs the question: Why does RoboCop need training? He's already a cop. Uh, yeah, right. And, like it's, uh, a, it's an excuse to get some montages into the movie. Did you notice that Lewis in this film is a man, played by Michael Williams? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, that seems like a completely unnecessary change. I think Michael Williams does okay in the part, but yeah, I mean, that is part of the the fun, uh, even at the time, you know, you could say revolutionary dynamic of having a man and a woman, and the woman's a cop that's human and helps out the uh, RoboCop, and you get some sort of, I don't know if you'd say romantic tension, but something, well, something going well, you, on you, there between Well, them. what I like about that in the, in the original trilogy is that there is no romantic tension. They're, they're partners and friends, and romance doesn't enter into it. I love that that type of professional relationship is portrayed on screen. You so rarely get it, because every other film, the moment you get a man and a woman on screen, a love story is going to get shoehorned in there. Samuel L. Jackson plays the the host of like the news program, Pat Novak, and he is. Um, it feels like he's in a completely different movie. I think it's good, but it, I almost wish he doesn't fit with the rest, the tone of the rest of the film. Well, I think I know what it is. Of all the characters and all the performances in this film, he would be at home in the original RoboCop. 
I, I can see that. I mean, that he looks at the camera and says, are you robophobic? And he has some fun debates and interviews with some of the other people. He, uh, the way, I like the way the set of his show looks. It's real slick looking. And it, it's something they could have done more of. I mean, this is a bit of trivia that I didn't realize. Is originally Darren Aronofsky was supposed to write and direct RoboCop. Mm. And his script was going to be 3,000 years in the future. And, uh, <laughs> according to, uh, an, an, an interview where the director of this one's talking about the Aronofsky script, where humanity would have lost the notion of morality, and the only place where it could recover morality was in the RoboCop program. Well, I, I gotta give it to him. That sounds like it would have been a movie about something. Right. I mean, Aronofsky, for those who don't know, uh, did uh, Requiem for a Dream, uh, Black Swan, uh, Pie, um, The Wrestler. You know, a lot of really great films. I think I have that right. Yeah. And so let's talk more about the film. We've talked about some of the different characters in there. Um, I mean, this this RoboCop film. So there's a, there's a stuff in the beginning where they talk about it. Then you get all the boardroom stuff. Uh, I neglected to mention um, Jay Bruchel plays, you know, Tom Pope, who's the head of marketing for Omnicore. And he talks with a very nebbish voice. Uh, I know Jay Bruchel from when he was younger. He did the show uh, Undeclared, mm. which is by uh, Judd Apatow, um, sort of his follow-up series to Freaks and Geeks. And it's not related in any way, but the, the tonally it's similar, although I think it's more of a comedy than Freaks and Geeks was. Um, and he he tries to be funny, but I don't know. Like, you're just getting... I, my, my mind kind of shut off during a lot of these corporate sequences in this movie. It just feels like... Something feels lifeless, despite all well, the talent there on screen. Well, it's there so that they can have the corporate boardroom scenes. <laughs> so they can check off that box. Yeah, and right. You check off the box, but they never really think why. Um, also, this film takes, I think, twice as long as the original to turn Murphy into a RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, and, and this, is, this is the one time I didn't time how long it took to get RoboCop on screen. You didn't happen to time that, did you? I did not time it, but I, in the first movie, I think it's damn near 15 minutes. Before, it's like it's pretty speedy before he becomes RoboCop. And in this one, you know, they, they set up his wife, they give his wife more to do, which is somewhat interesting. And yet, you, you look and you see... Uh, I mean, in this, gee, you know, it's it's tricky because not only is the first film so great, but it has such a great bad guy in Boddicker, you don't have that here. And so you don't have an exciting, you know, first mission for Murphy. And, uh, and that he doesn't get shot to death, but he gets <laughs> critically injured in a car bomb outside his, in front of his house. It, it, it's just not affecting at all. Yeah, it would be nice to have more a more personal stakes in this. What about the reveal where all that's left of the human part of Murphy or his head and a few organs? Well, on the one hand, I think that's a neat idea. On the other hand, the way the movie displays it, where he's just he's just a head and some lungs, uh-huh. just hanging up there, that just looks so silly. If we're supposed to be horrified by that, that all should be laid out on a table connected up to tubes and wires and life support. But what we're shown is so sanitary. Sanitary is the right word. I think if they would have um, made it so he is where the organs were exposed, right? Where it's not held in held in glass. And it just makes the... I mean, the effect of his face, they don't have anything cool going on there at the back of the well, head like in the original. I'd, then I'd like to point that out. So this car bomb was powerful enough to blow off every part of his body except <laughs> his lungs, heart, and head. Yeah. But his face is completely intact. No damage to the face or jaw or anything. You don't really get like a burn victim shot of, of him after the explosion. Like, like He this. should look yeah. horrific. Yes. I mean, even in RoboCop 3, when RoboCop caught on fire, he looked a bit blackened and toasty like a marshmallow. There's <laughs> so much. He, he I mean, looks and, like and then a Muppet. We get, yeah. He does look a bit like a Muppet. And uh, so, I mean, after this, we get some of the training sequences. And what do you think about this? I mean, I think it, it looks a bit cool. Certainly, they could make him move around a bit. He's a bit slicker moving. 
than the original RoboCop, but that also takes away some of the personality and the clunkiness that made the uh, RoboCop endearing. Yeah, I do. I do wish he was a, a bit more mechanical in his movements. I actually don't mind the enhanced speed and, and reflexes and, and strength. I mean, that's that's something that hardly ever came up in the movies. Is that RoboCop is supposed to be really damn strong? Um, but like, the, you do get the sense in this new film that he is physically superior to your average cop. He's not just like this slow-moving justice tank. But that being said. You know, we see we see so much of this training. It's just an excuse to put him in an action scene where there are no stakes because he's in training. Everything is safe. Yeah, everything is safe. It feels kind of. I mean, like, what if in the middle of the training he got visions of his son and his wife or something? That would have messed with the circuitry. There's things you could have done to make the training sequence do something other than look cool. And it's not it's not terrible. I mean, this movie. Uh, a hundred million, you know, that that's a a healthy budget, a bit on the low end for this sort of a film. And it, the movie doesn't look cheap. I think the effects are pretty good, mostly speaking. Um, but it just feels like, oh, drones are in the news, and oh, we're, what if RoboCop fought other robots? Ooh, like well, I don't. It just well, let's let's. I, you say drones are in the news. Drones had been in the news for ten goddamn years. This movie's very very late to the party. Fair enough. Drones had continued to be in the news. I mean, it's them trying to be topical, and the problem is it takes years and years to make a movie, and once you make it, blah, blah, blah. Um, So what do we think? We get, you know, sort of like a montage showing RoboCop uh, arresting people and stuff. It should be set to It's Hip to Be Square. (laughs) That's my go-to montage song. Worked for American Psycho. <laughs> and uh, one of the Naked Gun movies. The third, I believe. 33 and the third. Oh. What part of Naked Gun do they do? Hip it's, uh, hip it's, it's after Frank Drebin retires and we see how he's trying to live a normal life. Oh, I see. He yeah, struggles right. with the shopping carts at, uh, at the, uh, the grocery store. And I guess the fact that we're talking about Naked Gun 33 and a third, a movie we already covered in a previous podcast, kind of says everything that needs to be said about the new RoboCop. So I will say with this newer RoboCop film, they do more with um, Murphy's wife and son. And how do you like how that plays out? I do. Overall, I, I, I like that. That's a, that's a strength. That is one thing, as I said earlier, that is one thing that this movie has over the original film. I see your dog agree with me. Uh, yes. The, um... I mean, that they remove, you know, his uh, emotion chip and then he goes and sees his files and all this stuff. I think that's that's interesting. But, um... They could have done... I don't know. They, they could have done a little bit more. It's nice that the wife sticks by him, but on the other hand, that's not much conflict. Hmm. And that he, he, you know, he goes after Valen's game to to kind of get revenge and stuff. Well, Valen isn't that cool of a bad guy. I'm sorry. Like it's not it's not interesting. It's not. They just it just seems so antiseptic, like the rest of the film. The action looks good, but we don't care. And then we get a plot twist right out of the first film. <laughs> You want to talk about this? <laughs> well, where where it turns out OCP is he can't he can't attack OCP assets. Yep. Which I mean I guess that's part of the RoboCop story. You've got to have it in there. Although I don't like the way they try to do a twist on the twist. Or it's his trainer. Well, no, just but, just the fact but... that when when RoboCop decides he really wants to, he can just violate the directives. Mm, right that because that's what works so well in the first film is that you know it's science fiction science fiction works within certain rules that you establish early in the story so the first film they establish he can't attack an ocp asset so when when he has to attack an ocp asset the head of the company just fires the guy and robocop's able to blow him away this movie doesn't do that robocop can just will himself to to violate those directives 
and maybe it's there maybe they're trying to say like oh his his humanity is able to override his robotic uh functions but i mean if that's what if that's the case like isn't there a lot of other things he could do too couldn't he go get a sandwich couldn't he go <laughs> uh, i don't know go to a strip club like could i i mean there there's so many weird things you could do with that that it seems like you're rushing you're cramming in you know three movies worth of character development and and progress into one it doesn't feel earned it just feels like oh the first movie did it so we have to do this except this time we're going to do it on a roof oh look at this boardroom uh it has windows just like the other one not enough baby food in this movie nope <laughs> i mean i got a comment on this film from a, a robocop fan oh yes so give me a second while i look that up but it's um, th- this movie is just so disappointing, and that's difficult to say after what disappointments RoboCop two and RoboCop three were for different reasons. That was the comment. That was not the oh. comment. I was just sorry talking. I was just. Uh... I mean, do you think this movie makes RoboCop two or RoboCop three look good? Ah. <sighs> This movie, this movie is so neutral. I feel like it ha- like it has no bearing on my appreciation for the other films. I can't. I can say so at least yeah. RoboCop two and three were trying. They were failing every step of the way, but you could tell somebody had an idea that they were running with. But the idea that they're running with in this movie is, hey, what if we made RoboCop? So I did. Um... Get a comment from Cheapy D, who's the host of the CADcast for Cheap Ass Gamer. Cool. And uh, he's a big RoboCop fan, and he says, I don't remember the 2014 film other than it's not worth remembering. <laughs> and it's hard to say it better than that. It's, you know, for all the, the flashy effects and everything that it has, it just feels like uh, it's going through the motions, I think would be the main takeaway I go through it. Hmm. It feels not needed. Does it... F- follow the original film literally scene for scene no but if it had it would have been a better movie i guess it, I mean, it just why why robocop why this robocop well it's it's the re it's the remake trap you know they they didn't show they didn't choose to remake a bad movie they chose to remake mm, a, a right. classic uh if they wanted to i think the best thing they could have done is taken robocop to, done their done their new robocop movie but make it a better version of robocop 2 Yeah, it's, um, you know, interestingly, as you sort of see happening more and more these days, this film, it earned um, over three times as much overseas as it did in the United States. Hmm. And I think it says when you factor in uh, inflation and so forth, this film made exactly as much as the original RoboCop film. Really? On about five times the budget. <laughs> you know, do you think? Do you think <clears throat> excuse me. Do you think this movie had too much money behind it? Um, do you think with a lower budget, that could have been a bit freer, could have been a much more creative, since they they wouldn't necessarily have access to the best special effects money could buy? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that you have a crap load of. You know, robot cops and Ed 209s and explosions and fancy motorcycles going around. I don't think that makes the film very exciting. I, I think uh, I, I think there's too many characters in this movie is one of its main problems. We don't need a few corporate people just because the original had it. Like, it could have had, if you had a more unique story, or even, why does it have to be an origin story? surely you can set up RoboCop in like a five minute credit sequence and then go on and have whatever adventure you're going to have. Well, hell, you could even set it, you could even set it after RoboCop 3 and just, you know, Murphy, Murphy finally died for good in the line of duty and then just make it all about his successor. You know, Seattle Hmm. needs its RoboCop, uh, or Detroit, I'm sorry, Detroit needs its RoboCop. uh, And, and, you know, that, that, that can be what brings us into the new movie. What if, what if uh, Murphy's son would be the next RoboCop? That would that 
I I I am against that because I tend to be against most narratives in which a son has to inherit their father's job. So you're not a fan of the Fly Two, is what I'm hearing. Uh, no. Well, Fly Two's not too bad, only because he he it's it's not good it's not good that this that the sons the son of the fly is inheriting the mantle of the fly from his father like it, that's a tragic story hmm you know it should be noted that after this movie the director said you know uh, while he was making it this is one of the worst experiences he's had he came from a world of independent films mm. Um, like Elite Squad, and he uh, since then he's directed episodes of the Netflix show Narcos, and is trying to go back and uh, he hasn't done a, a feature motion picture to theaters since RoboCop, mm. and that was in uh, 2014. So there you go. Uh, I can't think of anything else to say about this movie. It's it's just a sad disappointment. And it's not like so bad it's funny. And it's not it's not awful. It's just not that okay. It's just there. Yeah, sequel yes or sequel no. I give this sequel no. I'm going to give it the mildest of sequel no's. You can watch it, you can watch it for Samuel L. Jackson's character, but that's it. Well, here's a question I think that's apt since we, we've talked about, you know, the, the RoboCop series these past few weeks. Yeah. If you were to recommend people watch the original film, the original 87 RoboCop, and one other film in the series, which would it be? I guess uh, the original, of course, and and RoboCop 2, if if only for the uh, the fight scenes with RoboCop 2 at the end. I I would disagree. I'd say, you know, along with the original RoboCop from 87, I would recommend RoboCop 3 because I think the story is a bit more interesting. Uh. And yes, the the rating sort of pulls its punches, but um, Anne Lewis's death is a scene with some nice moments and there's enough interesting character actors. I think there's a bit more to chew on with uh, with RoboCop 3. Oh, okay, I can see that. So now we're going to do pitch a sequel in which we pitch a sequel uh, to this movie, or it could be a reboot, could be whatever we want. Um, you mind if I get started? Go right ahead. So this would be, this would, uh, you know, take the premise that this film was not successful enough to get a true sequel, and so they had to redo <laughs> RoboCop again, and, and, and how would you do it? And this would be about Alex Murphy is... Um, is an old man, right? He hasn't become... This pretends like RoboCop never happened. Alex Murphy is an old man. He's ready for retirement. He has to do one last gig. He truly has a lifetime of experience as a now, cop. Now, would he be played by Peter Weller? And as he... Um, Peter Weller would do the police chief. Oh. Sort of a brief cameo. I'm kind of shocked but he instead... doesn't have a cameo. Yeah, in this, right? Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. Even in, in the... Maybe even doing the Samuel L. Jackson part or being a co-host for that. That would have made sense. But um, instead, RoboCop would be played by like, uh, or Alex Murphy would be played by like Paul Giamatti <laughs> with the with the walrus mustache. And uh, he goes on one last mission. He doesn't really want to, but he, you know, there's a house he wants to get for his wife and kid. And, uh, it, would, and it has danger pay, so he gets an extra bonus. And of course, when he goes there, He's almost immediately shot up to hell and back. It's just a complete disaster. And he gets made into, um, you know, he gets paralyzed. And they, they put him in like a robo wheelchair. So it's sort of a more comedic take on RoboCop, where he's, uh-huh. he's in a, a, a wheelchair that spins around. He's um, kind of slow on the draw. He keeps on wetting himself with his oil, and he 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 tries to make uh tries to you know get control of his faculties as an old man human robot hybrid, and do the detective work. And in fact, because he's so old and he can do the detective work faster than a human, 
he becomes, you know, sort of the, he works with the police to kind of be the dispatch person. He tells, he kind of commands the cops around. But at the very end of the movie, it's a siege in the police station. And all the computers get shut down. And um, old RoboCop has to use his his wits and his his not very good six-shooter to fend off the, the final siege. And it would be called... Old Robocop. <laughs> Just an old Robocop. No country for old Robocops. <laughs> Grumpy old Robocop. Dirty Grandpa Cop. <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming with ZZZ. That's it. Just ZZZ dot dot dot. Isn't he sleeping? Yeah. And it shows him like snoring. So, so that's my concept. You kind kind of do it as a lower budget comedy with a, a a big action sequence at the beginning and the hey, end. Hey, what do you call the color of that metal plating you got there? Centrum silver. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your uh, pitch sequel? My sequel will be a direct sequel to the 2014 RoboCop called RoboCop: The Omega Protocol. So. One thread that winds through uh, uh, through the RoboCop remake is that OCP wants to sell law enforcement drones in America, but they can't because of this law called the Dreyfus Act. And RoboCop is how they skirt around the Dreyfus Act because he's technically not a robot because he has a human brain and two lungs and a heart, as we discussed earlier. Uh, but at the end of the movie, the Dreyfus Act is not repealed, so OCP has a warehouse full of law enforcement drones just sitting in the middle of the city that they cannot sell or deploy. And uh, so they're trying to figure out how they can salvage that investment. So here's what happens, is that OCP fires a brilliant young uh, engineer after stealing some of his best... uh, some of his best uh, ideas. And and the short of it just kind of, like, fucked this engineer over. So he decides he's going to get revenge. And he's going to get revenge by taking the city of Detroit hostage. So, using his access code, his engineering, and his hacking ability, he breaks into OCP Master Control and remotely activates the entire warehouse full, full of law enforcement drones and uses them to take over the city. The poli- it's a- absolute chaos. The police department is paralyzed. Uh, the military can't get in uh, because the only thing they can fight these drones are more drones. So, OCP is trying to get the president to like do some sort of emergency powers thing so that they can activate other law enforcement drones to send them in to fight their own drones. However, any drones sent into the city will just get taken over by the hackers' network. So the only, the only high-tech piece of equipment that's not affected is RoboCop. So RoboCop and his partner have to lead a daring assault on uh, the OCP compound to take out the guy sitting at the master control unit. Uh, before you know, before before, th- before things go even even more horribly wrong, uh, because unless he you know gets a, a shit ton of money, not only are the robots going to go completely haywire, uh, but he's also hacked into the city's power source, an, an OCP nuclear reactor, and is going to nuke the whole city. Hmm. And Robocop will have no trouble. Uh, shooting down those drones because if he wants to, he can violate his protocol that says he can't attack an OCP asset. And the whole reason it's called uh, Robocop the Omega Protocol is it turns out all OCP drones have a secret code, which if they receive that secret code, they self-destruct. This is a fail-safe called the Omega Protocol, so that in the end, Robocop has to plug the Omega Protocol into a transmitter to shut down all the... to self-destruct all the drones. However, turns out... He also has the same self-destruct protocol. But in keeping with the cheesy elements of the 2014 RoboCop, uh, he just decides not to self-destruct so the Omega Protocol doesn't affect him. I see. Well then, let's go into uh, what you're watching. What have you been watching? What have you been watching? Oh yes, I've been watching a, a, a BBC show. Uh, the the British version is called the Great British Bake Off, but the American version is called the Great British Baking Show. I, I don't know why they needed to change the title like that, but okay. <laughs> it airs on a PBS in the U.S., but Netflix got the first few seasons of it streaming, and there's also an uh, an American version of it um, that I've seen 
but anyhow, this show is about, you know, every everyday people, not professional chefs, having these baking challenges. And they kind of start off uh, each cooking the same sort of a cake. And then later on, they, they do a challenge where they get a recipe, but some of the instructions are missing or it doesn't tell you how long to bake it for. <sighs> and uh, you get to see people sweat a lot. I think part of the uh, suspense with baking, as opposed to other kinds of cooking, is... You know, it's it's really quite chemist like chemistry because you have to be very exact in measurements and know how things react with each other, and then you stick it in the oven and uh, there you go, and you take it out and either it has been undercooked, it's just right, or you've burnt it. Hmm. And it's uh, it's amusing. It's well shot. There there's a lot of terrible cake puns in it. How terrible? Uh, Can you give me an example? I, I can't think of one right now, but yeah, like as an example, they did, um, they had to make micro cakes. Hmm. And so they said, oh, you have 10 minutes left or in micro units, that's 10,000 seconds or whatever it is. It's, um, I, I mean, it, it's very much a show that your grandparents might enjoy and it's, it's, it's very mild as far as it's pacing. It's not as crazy with the electric guitar music and the the camera work of a food network show but i kind of enjoy how sedate it is and on the british version they're super polite to each other on the american version they're also polite but not they not nearly as polite as the british um everyone seems well behaved which i think that sort of is the polar opposite of something that kills kids so so you never have the show break into a confessional where one of the characters or one of the one of the contestants says i didn't come here to make friends Right. You don't see that. I mean, you'll see people crying or something because they think they're going to get voted off. Um, or, God, or you know, they all might express surprise at someone's technique and she's like, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. But that's about as like quippy as they get with each other. Everyone's like really sedate tends to be older i'm i'm rooting for in the season series one there's this older man who's been retired for several years and he makes all these weird gadgets for instance he's making muffins and he makes this gadget that pops all the muffins out of the muffin tin at the same time and it pops it up just enough where they don't stick to the side and it's a pretty neat idea but um it's good not the most I mean, it's not the most amazing thing in the world, but it's it's something easy to watch on a weeknight. That's what I've been watching lately. What about yourself? Well, I decided to watch a notorious RoboCop ripoff. Um, I have no idea what you're going to say. All right. So I watched the notorious 1987 low-budget science fiction action film Rotor. R-O-T-O-R, periods between every letter. It's wonderfully awful. uh, So, I mean, what makes it so awful? Well, in addition addition to the the movie, the movie thinks it's very, very smart. It absolutely... But the poster looks just like Mad Max, and the tagline is the same as Judge Dredd, Judge, Jury, and Executioner. Mm, Yep. It, it it borrows from a lot of sources, but but yeah the well the the movie the movie thinks that it's very very smart. Uh, the dialogue uh, most of the dialogue is very overwritten, uh, and you can tell whoever's writing it thinks that it's going to sound great. However, it does not sound great coming out of these actors. I don't think the actors could have salvaged it. Um, second, your our introduction to Rotor, the experimental robot cop, is ridiculously bad stop motion animation we see this like weirdly jointed robot skeleton horribly pantomiming tai chi moves in this herky-jerky thing as part of a corporate presentation uh when we actually see the real rotor it just looks like a guy in a leather motorcycle cop outfit that's all it is they don't do anything with his face no they do nothing with his face unless you count sunglasses something uh, hmm. The movie has no sort of internally consistent logic. Uh, the it had it has a it has the most depressed robot I've seen on film since Marvin the Paranoid Android. 
there's like this security robot at the robotics facility, which is the only other robot we see in this film that it just, it just, he's just sounds so beaten down and blue collar. Like not only did they bother giving the security drone a personality, it's the personality of your least favorite coworker. <laughs> so does the movie have an R rating at least? Does it get violent? Uh, Is there I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was ever rated. Um, because it was it was on VHS and Betamax, so it may not have ever had a theatrical release. Um, there's no, there is no nudity. There are multiple attempts at action, but it's all it's all very very forced and very very staged. But it's so forced and staged that it's hilarious. Oh, and you know the principle of Chekhov's gun. Yes, if you load a gun in Act 1, you better fire it in Act 3. Uh, yeah, so this movie has Chekhov's exploding lasso. There, Does he get to use it on a target before using it? For yeah, the there's this bit... So so the rope, the, sci, the genius robotic scientist who is behind the whole Rotor project, turns out he's also a cowboy who lives on a ranch, and the way he clears stumps is he makes lasso out of lassos out of explosive prime accord ropes the stumps and then blows them up so at the end of the movie that's how they defeat rotor is that he gets lassoed by a bunch of these exploding lassos and is blown up now keep in mind this is further foreshadowed when there's a guy there's this jive talk a jive talking guy there's a jive talking guy who works at the robotics facility who talks about this whole drawing and quartering thing which is of course also exactly how the rotor is tied up with the lassos he's drawn and corded with the explosive prime accord and the, the movie's full of stuff like that the movie is full of needless foreshadowing and setting up of things that happen later and it's so hmm. telegraphed But it, it is hilariously so, bad. So, at least from being hilariously bad, would you say it's worth watching? Or yeah, no? oh yeah, I would say yes. If you if you if you truly are a devotee of bad movies, uh, it is it is well worth watching. And there is a riff tracks version as well. If you need if you need help to get through the experience, there's always that. Oh, did you watch it with the riff tracks or no? Uh, both. Oh, okay. and, oh, and if you so you know what Rotor stands for. Uh, I bet the R is robotic. You, you're right. It's Robotic Officer of the Tactical Operations Research Unit. Ugh. Oh, oh, and the character Rotor. names. Uh, character name. The the uh, the main the research scientist police officer rancher is named Captain J B Coldiron. Okay. Uh, let's see his uh. The the robotic specialist he works with later in the movie is named C.R. Steel. <laughs> the in, the inept police commander is named Earl Bugler. I kind of like Bugler. I don't know. Is. It's it's just or, or I guess it could be Bugler. Uh, but it's <laughs> that's the that's the the type of movie this is. Oh, and it's Cold Iron spelled with a Y. Like it's an 80s hair metal band. It should be said, uh, Scream Factory came out with, uh, it's coming out with a double feature of uh, Millennium and Rotor. Ooh. Oh, that's Shout Factory, I think. Scream Factory is Shout Factory's sort of horror label. Oh, I didn't know that. Sort that's cool. Z move, their genre label. Um, and Millennium is from 89 about an investigator seeking the cause of an airline disaster who meets a warrior woman from a thousand years in the future. I've actually got the novel that's based on. I've been meaning to read that. Ah. With Chris Christopherson. So it has an actual name in it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, very good. So why don't we... Uh, what is something you'd like to uh, talk about that you've been working on? Oh, Boy, well, let me see. I have uh, I have officially started work on uh, the uh, live action role playing events that I'm going to bring bringing to the Origins Game Fair uh, and Gen Con, and a particular one I do want to talk. Uh, I do want to highlight. So 
Uh, every year at Gen Con now, we have a tradition where we combine some classic work of children's literature with the Cthulhu mythos. So mm. this year, we are combining the Cthulhu mythos with Sesame Street. We're, oh, we're, okay. So are you using names like Big Bird, or are you going to call it like well, Big everything, Cthulhu? Everything's a parody. So, so for instance, there are going to be two Bert and Ernie types, but they're going to be called Bertram and Ernst. Uh, they're, two, uh, they're two philosophy students specializing in the works of Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, there is going to be a Mr. Snuffleupagus uh, type character. And actually, we're, we're kind of like combining our favorite elements of different eras of Sesame Street. Um, there will be puppets. There, uh, there are going to be rules for how you interact with our Mr. Snuffleupagus type character, who I believe we're calling Mr. Snuffleupshagoth. And it's all based around how much madness your character has accrued. So if you're a sane character, you can't see or hear him. But as you lose sanity, you gain the ability to see and hear him and interact with him. But if you're if you're if you've gathered enough madness, he he can he can interact with you in ways that you might necessarily want because he needs blood to survive. I see. And um, where can people find more information about uh, that? The, our website, kedlefishproductions.com, although uh, it has not yet been updated for the current convention season. Uh, it's probably going to be another two or three weeks before we get those updates up on. We're, we're, waiting, we're waiting to get our schedules confirmed. Once our schedules are confirmed, we'll start updating the site so that everybody has accurate information. Hmm. All right. And uh, I've been... What I've been working on a piece for uh, Games Radar. It's not out yet, so I can't plug it. Uh, also working on a, an article for Hardcore Gaming 101 that I can't really talk about either. Um, I, I will say something sort of interesting. Yes. I was looking in the news, and it came up that um, Frank Oz was being interviewed for about a documentary about the, the founding of the Muppets. Oh, yeah. And and they were asking him about, is, uh, is he going to voice Yoda anytime soon? And he basically, his quote is pretty great. He says, I feel like I'm a prisoner at war here, and I can only give you my name, rank, and serial number. <laughs> but um, more interesting, he mentioned he did not like the uh, the recent Muppets TV show at all. But he kind of liked parts of Muppets Most Wanted. Hmm. Did you see either of those? Uh, I have not yet seen Muppets Most Wanted, but I did see the entirety of the of the more recent Muppet series. I think the new Muppet series got better as it went along, but I think it sort of missed the point. I, I it's like you're oh, you go ahead. Oh, go on. No, I overall I I enjoyed it. I really I really wish it had gotten a second season. I figured I feel that if it had a second season. All of its kinks would have been worked out and would probably still be on today. Um, that be that being said, I really don't like how quickly they reconciled Kermit and Miss Piggy. You know, they only did that because so many people complained. Oh, those people about are dumb. Kermit having a new pig girlfriend. I think the thing that, and it, it's hard because you look at the old versions of um, the older Muppet shows. And it's it, it's a really it's a real variety show, right? You get a little bit of the stuff behind the scenes, but this new one it was all the behind the scenes, and you never got to see very much of the variety show. And I think, um, to me anyway, that's what I liked a lot in uh, in the Muppets is seeing them do stupid sketches and knowing that they're not very good. And instead, I mean, uh, one episode I thought that was pretty good in the new Muppet series is where they all did karaoke. I thought that was a fun. <laughs> thing to do and you had Swedish chef do I think rapper's delight yes he did he did it wonderfully and also been seeing stuff online it is the um I think that is it the 20th or 25th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire that's the 20th the 20th of the the TV show I I should say and uh that makes me feel old but um it does remind me that the that the original show was a mid-season replacement. <laughs> and uh, they even did an extra season or two as a comic, and they did the same thing with Angel and I think with Firefly as well. So, 
that that seems to be Joss Whedon's career trajectory. Any anything that he that he does on television that goes away will show up as a comic later. It's a bit odd we haven't um, seen him really announce something new to work on. You know, I thought he clearly got burned out after doing Avengers one and two. Yeah, and um, which is fine, but he's. He's too talented not to do something again, and I wonder if he's going to uh, do a show for Netflix or, or something well, where he's not having to, you know, pull punches as far as violent content. Well, you would think, just given his history with the networks, that some streaming service would throw money at him. I can only I can only assume that they have, and he said no, and everyone's just being quiet about it. Or perhaps the streaming services are now run by the same blockheads that run networks. I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting you're seeing like stand-up comedy come on streaming service. Like uh, Dave Chappelle is going to have two stand-up specials on Netflix. Uh, they did a uh, Jim Gaffigan did stuff for Netflix. They're, you're starting to get some interesting stuff on there. Uh, m- most interestingly of all, Amazon uh, Studios is funding the uh, Terry Gilliam Don Quixote film. I hope it gets made this time. They're filming it right now, so hopefully they'll finish filming it. That's the <laughs> yeah. the, the way that film is cursed. Uh, the only thing I see about Joss Whedon, he might be, he's rumored to be uh, writing and directing a horror slasher film set in World War II. Huh. So um, I think, honestly, TV is the medium he works best in. But we'll see. Any any last thing you want to talk about? Uh, actually, yes, and this is something that I discovered today, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but have you, do, have you noticed that the logo for OCP is just, just an octagonal, upside-down version of the logo for the Congressional Budget Office? No. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a link to the Congressional Budget Office's webpage... Uh, I I hope 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 that that was intentional. Oh, I oh, yeah. You, you know, I just saw that. I see what you mean. Now the question is, how long have they had that logo? That I don't know, but it's a brilliant it's a brilliant piece of design jokery on somebody's part. Right. It also I also find the CBO Congressional Budget Office uh, logo. It looks a little bit like the CBS logo, like an eye mm. with a monocle on it. <laughs> it's um, sophisticated. Or Pac-Man with big bulky headphones. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a nice logo, no matter which way you slice it. Um, and we're, the Con- Congressional Budget Office has gotten in the news for... Uh, I don't really want to talk politics. No, we we, we so don't have to. Just um, if, 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 you know, if you are in future... If a future generation is listening to this, I'm doing everything I can. Believe me, I'm doing everything I can. As they say, I'm not gay, but five dollars is five dollars. <laughs> what? So, um, you haven't heard that no, joke? No, I have, but I don't understand oh. how it applies to this situation. It has nothing. I just wanted to break the ice. Isn't the right word because we've talked in the past. And not hour. cut through the treacle. The treacle's pretty well cut through. Yeah. Um. So, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> uh, before we launch into the next uh, series we talk about, we're going to uh, do sort of a, a gap episode and, and talk about, you know, some of the stuff we talked about in the original sequel cast show has had, you know, sequels or whatever. And, and so we're going to fill that need by um, next week we're going to talk about the Ghostbusters film from 2016. Which is just called Ghostbusters and not called Ghostbusters Answered the Call. But I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Although, yes, on the home video release. But yeah, so we're going to talk about the 2016 Ghostbusters film, which um, is both less and more of a remake of the original than you might suspect. (laughs) And... uh, they didn't go light on the special effects with it. That's, I'll just say that as a teaser. Yeah, we, That's one thing that surprised we, me. We will, we will have a lot to talk about in that episode. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk some about the, the internet reaction to it, too, because I think it was really quite 
extraordinary. <laughs> That's let's one just say had it had it been a yeah. Uh, let's just say, had it been a remake of, like, Look Who's Talking, I don't think people would have cared as much. Although, speaking of which, when are we getting our dark and gritty reboot of Look Who's Talking? Don't you think that, uh... Wasn't there, like, a, a Child's Play poster that said, Look Who's Stalking? I, be- it sounds like a I believe there was, although I'm also holding out hope for a uh, Look Who's Talking Baby Geniuses crossover. The time has come, Hollywood. Although, you know, they are coming out with a sixth Chucky film. Isn't it a remake? No, oh. it's called the... At one point it was going to be, but instead this is called The Cult of Chucky. Nice. It's going to be a, a follow-up to the um, the last one, which I can't remember the is title. Is it Spawn of Chucky or Seed of Chucky? No, no, they did one after that as well. Um, so I guess this is the seventh Chucky film. They did Curse of Chucky. Uh. Is that what you said? I, I think no. I said Spawn. Because it's Child's Play 1, 2, and 3, and then Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, and then now it's they're kind of with Cult of Chucky, which is a, a more or less direct follow-up to the last one. Um, and interestingly enough, it's going to bring back a main character from the original film, good old Andy. Huh. Played by a different actor, of course, but that's neither here nor there. So, Child's Play. There's, um... That's a weird series, isn't it? It it goes to a lot of interesting places. Uh, although, I will I will say this. I, I've seen the, uh... I've seen at least the first four or five of those movies. None of them are bad. There are some that aren't good, but none of them are bad. <laughs> And what's really weird is with the um oh the 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 Chucky one from a few years ago, uh Curse of Chucky, the tone changes yet again. Did they drop the comedy? Kind of, yeah. Huh. They I mean it, it, the concept is always comedic, but they, they they dial back on the comedy and make it more um spooky. And how about that? They're doing a new reanimator movie. I didn't know that. With Jeffrey Combs? Uh, no, it doesn't look oh. like it. They're having Brad Dourif is in it as a doctor. Um, hmm. It's called Reanimator Evolution. Who would have thought? Interesting. Well, we've gone off topic here. So <laughs> ne- tune in next time on Sequel Cast 2. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Sequel Cast 2. You can look, up, look us up on uh, iTunes. Leave a review on there. Um, I've submitted Sequel Cast 2 to all sorts of um, online uh, podcast services like Stitcher, so you can you can find us pretty much anywhere. Just Google Sequel Cast 2. But if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter at Sequel Cast 2, also be sure to like our page on Facebook. Just search Sequel Cast 2 and click like. Um, and for uh, Sequel Cast 2, next time we'll be talking about the Ghostbusters 2016 film. That's the one with the ladies. For Sequel Cast 2, uh, this is Matt. Follow me on Twitter at MATWBT. This is Thrasher. Follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. Same. Robocop. 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 And I'm Lewis. <laughs> and Lewis. <laughs> is that a rap? Uh, okay. We gotta, um, we gotta put that I'm theme song Lewis. at the end of this. I'm Lewis. And Lewis. I can make breakfast in the kitchen, and I can kill the bad guys while on a mission. <laughs> Robocop's my buddy now. He's a robot, but he's a human, and I feed him baby food. <laughs> I'm Lewis. And Lewis. I don't, that's not a rap. I don't know what that is. But... <laughs> So, so, so you have to finish that with RoboCop rapping. <laughs> I'm a mean machine. See my metal gleam. Oh, it gleams all right. <laughs> you should like Paul. Oh, that metal gleam is all right. <laughs> Paul wins RoboCop. They call me Murphy. <laughs>
Now, Officer Murphy, what what happened here? I can't believe you you survived. You're part machine, part man. Well, you know, I've I've never been one to look down on mechanical assistance, if you know what I mean. <laughs> now, now let me let let me oil oil up your joints here. Wouldn't be the first oh, time. Oh, this can. <laughs> oh, this uh, this can's almost empty. Let me uh, get get another. Oh, oh, I had a little squirt left in there. Got me right in the face. Now. <laughs> what is the purpose of this sketch? This is stupid. I don't know. <laughs> Although, you know, he and... did, Paul Lynn did do that, 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 that TV special with Kiss. I could totally see him doing one with RoboCop. <laughs>